to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. We pray that you grant us, according to your glorious riches this day, to be strengthened with might by your Spirit in the inner man. That Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith. That we would be rooted and grounded in love and be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. And to know the love of Christ, which surpasseth all understanding. That we might be filled with all the fullness of God. We worship you, Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our King. And we give you thanks, Lord, for everything. For every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. (laughs) We worship you, our Creator. We honor you, our God and our King. And we're not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we come boldly before your throne of grace this morning to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in time of need. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are the Spirit of grace quicken this day the Father's word to our hearts and minds. O Holy Spirit, bring refreshing. Strengthen us this day in the inner man. Jesus, we give you all preeminence in every area of our life. We consecrate and dedicate ourselves to you this day. Jesus Christ, the truth, the life, the living way. You're worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for being sensitive to our Lord and Savior today. You know, I I realize as you get older, it's harder to kneel. You're more than welcome just to sit down. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Just, you know, it's it's in the inside of your heart. That's what counts. Amen. It's your heart. If you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 97. While you're doing that, I'm going to give you a couple announcements. This is a big week. Tuesday night, there will be no Patriots United. We are not meeting this week. That's Wednesday night, we are meeting here for prayer. That's at 7 o'clock. Thursday night at 7 o'clock here... Um, we're beginning the Experiencing God series. Steve Justin's teaching that. So if you'd like to be a part of that, that's Thursday night here at 7 o'clock. This Saturday, this coming Saturday at 11 a.m. is the funeral for Don, Dean Freeman. Um, we still need a few salads and cakes. 
Uh, Mary Jane's in charge of that, and she's not here today, so if you would be willing to help us with that, you can talk to me after the service, and we'll get you signed up for that. Also, of course, the big week event is the election on Tuesday. I believe that if you are a born-again believer, a Christian, it is your responsibility to vote and to be informed when you do so. Granted, there is no perfect candidate, and there is no exact in the Bible where it says, thou shalt vote for so-and-so. But we need to do the best we can. So in the back, we have these. This is a voter's guide. You can go log in, and they tell you where vote the different um, candidates are standing on issues. So that's a good thing to go to. On the back bulletin board, we also have a sample ballot. And when church is over, if you'd like, you can ask questions. But, you know, there's a few that it's tough. It's tough because you don't really know the hearts of these people. And there's lots of stuff going on out there. And you don't know. Maybe they start with good intentions and then they get elected and they get swayed. But here's my voter guide for you. Psalm 97. Verse 10, it says, you who love the Lord hate evil. Another translation says, you who love the Lord must hate evil. So we need to go by that. And now the thing is, we love people. We are called to love people. But if we love God, we hate evil. God loves all people. That's why he hates evil. We got to get that. So as you vote, you know, look, don't just look at name recognition. Don't just look at your buddy from down the, I shouldn't say that, your buddy from down the street, but but (laughs) he is our buddy from down the street. (laughs) But I mean, just don't go because. You went to high school with them or, or name recognition. Look at where they stand on some issues. Do the best you can in finding that out. So, you know, prayerfully when you go pray. But I believe that the word of God says we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. It is our responsibility to do this thing because born-again believers are the light and the salt in this dark world, and we have to be that light and that salt. Now, if you'd um, turn your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. And we are going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, but this scripture we, we read a lot, and you should read a lot. It is a very key scripture, and it is talking about tithes and offerings. And, but it's more. I think we, we narrow God down. And we don't look at the magnitude of things. This scripture where it says he will rebuke the devourer for your sake is more than about you not catching a cold. It talks about the direction of a nation. And I believe as tithers, he tells us, if we're faithful in doing that, he will be faithful in rebuking the devourer for our sake. Now, maybe not every candidate you vote for is going to get elected. But if we stay faithful to God, God's still going to work on our behalf in this nation. 
And we have to stay in faith in that. And we've got to look at the magnitude of what he's telling us here. Let me read it to you. It says, but will a man rob God? You have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we, you robbed, we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse. For if you rob me, even this whole nation, bring all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, that there might be food in this nation. And try me now, and this is the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. This is the one scripture God says we can try him on this. We can put him to the test, and I'll tell you what, God always comes through. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That's what we're standing on this week. So that he will not destroy the fruit of our ground, nor will the vine fail to bear fruit in the land, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call us blessed. We will be a delightful land, says the Lord. That's God's promise to us. So, I just thank you for your faithfulness and your tithes and offerings. Yes, it keeps the lights on. Yes, it pays his salary. Yes, it opens the doors. But it does so much more than that in the spirit realm. So just thank you for your faithfulness and encourage you, your faithfulness. Because, yes, you're sowing here but ultimately, you're sowing to God. Thank you. Ushers, you can go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Amen. I'll go ahead and you can put up those first I must for me, please. As I gave you an introduction, sometimes I get frustrated because I have so much to say. And, and I, sometimes it's, it's hard to get it all out there. And, and, uh, and so let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today that we are your people. You love us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're in our midst and you are the great teacher. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Our purpose 
for quite a while has been this, is to help you, the believer, develop a harvest mindset and mobilize you to go and fulfill the Great Commission. I, I'm repetitive when I say that I sat back there late last fall and the Spirit of God told me to marshal the forces. And that's exactly what I'm endeavoring to try to do is marshal the forces. In other words, get you ready. Do the best that we can to prepare for what's coming. And I'm not talking about bad or evil. I'm talking about the good things that are coming for the body of Christ. We're going to have to work through some things. But if God be for us, who can be against us? Let me, I'm, I'm going to be giving you and taking you through the Bible today because I have a, a specific purpose. But by way of introduction, let me give you, and I'll just read it to you. In Matthew 9, 37, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. John 4.35 says, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, harvest church, and look at the fields, for they're already white for harvest. Four facts. Number one, the harvest is huge. If you're listening to any of the prophetic voices out there right now, the harvest is huge. Number two, there's few workers. That's a good example. When we look at Mario Morella in uh, Tulsa, there weren't enough workers. And it just backfired. There were so many people coming to the front for salvation and for the infilling of the Holy Ghost and, and for healing that the, the volunteers, the laborers, weren't able to get up there to be with them. Number three, we're to pray for Labors or pray for harvest hands. Number four, the harvest isn't tomorrow, it's now. Say, the harvest is now. That's right. I told you that God spoke to my heart as a young man when I first came here in the early 80s. And he gave me four directives and it was about one o'clock in the morning. He said, sooner than you think must be prepared, no fear and strategy. So we're, we've been talking about the preparation part. And we wrote these things down and I gave you these things. I'm going to give you a few more at the end of the service. But we said this, Harvest Church must redeem the time and make the most of every opportunity because events can occur suddenly. Number two, Harvest Church must heed the divine warning of things not yet seen and be motivated with godly fear to prepare for a harvest of souls. Number three, Harvest Church must see society's lost sheep, discern their needs and minister the love and compassion of Jesus Christ to them. Number four, Harvest Church must rely on God's grace to receive people, speak to people, teach people, and minister healing to people. And finally, number five, Harvest Church must raise up leaders who are problem solvers. Say, I'm a problem solver. Men and women with intu intuition or initiative, that should be initiative. Men and women with initiative who can think for themselves and be aware of the situation and come up with viable solutions. That's what we talked about last week. We've got to begin to take initiative. Not wait for somebody to, you know, take you by the hand or tell you what to do. You know, pray every day, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. For your word is a lamp unto my feet and a 
light onto my pathway. Now, if you'd put up the seven principles, please. Look, look at John chapter 6. Look in your Bibles at John chapter 6, because we've been on this miracle. It's the only recorded miracle in all four Gospels. And it's the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And I believe this is prophetic for where we are today. Prophetic where we are today. And we got a light problem there. I'll just read it to you. Number one, we see, we must see the sheep with no shepherd. See the sheep with no shepherd. Number two, we must raise up leaders who can assess the needs of people and make wise decisions. Number three, recognize the next generation has something to offer, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Number four, use what is available. Number five, learn to effectively organize and delegate. Number six, Pray, for prayer precedes the miraculous. And number seven, exercise good stewardship. Thank you. You can take that down. Now, we see all seven of these principles in this miracle. I'm going to read it to you right now. And uh, it's John chapter 6. It says, After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mount, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he, he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of these may have a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here. Say that. There is a lad here. Or a young child or a young boy. There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? We told you last time that the number five is the word, or what's the word for number five? It's grace. It means grace. Number two, because there are how many fish? And it means witness and support. And so, let me read this, this statement to you, because I, I wrote and highlighted a number of statements. In this great end-time revival, do you think we're in the end times? In this great end-time revival, the church must recognize that our youth possess what we need. They will be anointed with a special grace to be a witness and support for the body of Christ. So, our youth and our children are important. How many read it? I gave it to you to read. Thank you for being obedient. I want to read just a short passage from here, what Rick Joyner said. He said, One of the most extraordinary characteristics of the harvest will be the youthful, youthfulness of the laborers. Teenagers will be the backbone of the revival. And preteens will be some of its greatest evangelists. Young children will cast out demons. 
heal the sick, raise the dead, and divert raging floods with a word. Some will actually take dominion over entire hospitals and mental institutions, healing every patient in them by laying hands on the buildings. During the harvest, the world will understand. And then he quotes Isaiah 8.18, which states, Here I am, and the children whom the Lord has given me, we are for signs and wonders in Israel. Say, my child is for a sign and a wonder. And some days I know it's hard even to see them remotely as a sign (laughs) and a wonder. Even when they grow up. But I believe the Word of the Lord. And so, Harvest Church, we in the days ahead are going to have to see these children and youth in a different light. There was a disciple that recognized in a group of 5,000 plus people a, a lad who had brought his lunch. Why hadn't the adults had any foresight to do that? That kid was smart. He wanted to see and hear Jesus. Amen? A small boy. Now, Jesus, and there, there's so much there, but I want to read you a couple scriptures. Just let me read them to you. This is out of the message translation. In Matthew 19, verse 13, this is how Jesus, this is what he thought of children. And this is how he dealt with children. One day children were brought to Jesus in the hope that he would lay hands on them and pray over them. The disciples shooed them off. But Jesus intervened, let the children alone. Don't prevent them from coming to me. God's kingdom is made up of people like these. After laying hands on them, he left. Now, I want you to hear this. God's kingdom is made up of people like these. If you want to know what God's kingdom is like, then look at a child. And how they respond, how they act, and how spiritually astute they are at times. It's so important. Matthew 10, verse 40. Let me, you can find that. Look quick in Matthew 10 and verse 40. And I'm also going to read it to you out of the Message Bible. In the King, New King James, it says, verse 40 in Matthew 10, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones, say little ones, Only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. The Message Bible, I like this. It says, we are intimately linked in this harvest work. Anyone who accepts what you do accepts me, the one who sent you. Anyone who accepts what I do accepts my Father who sent me. Accepting a messenger of God is as good as being God's messenger. 
Accepting someone's help is as good as giving someone help. This is a large work I've called you into. Now listen, this is good. But don't be overwhelmed by it. In the days ahead, we're going to have to remind ourselves of that. Don't be overwhelmed by it. It's best to start small. Say that. It's best to start small. Give a cool cup of water to someone who's thirsty, for instance. The smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. You won't lose out on a thing. So I I believe we shouldn't despise the day of small beginnings. We've got to recognize that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven If you want to know what it's like, then look at a child or a youth. It's that simple. In the Bible, my commentary said, basic to the argument is the Jewish principle that a person's representative is regarded as the person himself or herself. To receive a person, a prophet, a righteous one, or a little one, is equal to receiving Jesus and the one or the Father who sent Jesus. So when we have these little ones in our midst and we receive them and we take time to put our arm around them and encourage them and bless them, lay hands on them, speak the word of the living God over them, it's Jesus we're ministering to. And this church has been around a long time. And for many years, we, we had a dynamic youth ministry and, and things and seasons changed. But we're coming into a, we're in a new season. And we're really going to have to ramp it up and work hard on ministering to our children effectively. Ministering to our teens effectively. And it's going to take all of us. Say, I can't, I can't work. We had Zach and his whole crew, Kayla's crew over the other night. They blessed Kathy with a birthday cake. And... Our Kaylee, our, our daughter-in-law, they were running around the table, playing tag, running in and out of the house, jumping up on our swing and just making me nervous. <laughs> nah. That's what it's all about. Bottom line. And so we're going to have to allow the kids to come. We're going to have to minister. There are so many out there that are from broken homes. Some of you grew up that way. So we've got to wise up. Amen? There are are examples. Look at Judges, and I'm going to have to fly through this. But I wanted to go through the Bible and show you examples of the importance of youth or children. I'll do my best, and if I don't get through it all, we'll just unhook and hook back up next week. But this is, this is, and I'll never forget, this was many years ago, Willie George. How many of you remember who Willie George was? I'll never forget. He, he was a prophet. He's not only a pastor, but he's a prophet. And he ministered out of this passage of Scripture. Kathy's shaking her head. She can remember. I want to read it to you. How many remember Samson and... Yep, it's always the woman. 
Adam and Eve, and Samson and Delilah. Samson had some dysfunction. Would you agree? Yes, he did. You don't have to agree that hard. I mean, I want to pick up in, in Judges 16. Look at Judges chapter 16. This is the end of the, the story. This is where, you know, they gouged out Samson's eyes so he couldn't see. They cut his hair. He lost all his strength. But one thing Samson did, and this is good for all of us to remember, he did one thing at the end of his life for his sin. He repented. And he cried out to God. And guess what? God came through. Listen to this. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God is delivered into our hands. Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God is delivered into our hands, our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may perform for us. And so they called for Samson from the prison. Now, I want, you to, I want this to sink in. They called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them. And they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the... To the what? Have we heard that word already? Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. And Samson called to the Lord saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O God that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and on the other on his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. What a way to go, huh? And his brothers and all his father's household came down, took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtel in the tomb of his father, Manoah, and he had judged Israel 20 years. Did you notice who took him by the hand? What do you think happened to that lad? I think he died with him. I looked up the word hand in the Hebrew. It means control, power, strength, and direction. It deals with authority or coming under authority. The church in the days ahead, here you go, here's a statement. The church in the days ahead must allow the children and youth to help us see where to go and lead the way. And because of their influence, they'll destroy the enemy. But we're going to have to give him our hand. We're going to have to allow them some time to grow. 
we're going to have to allow them to make mistakes. Have you ever made a mistake, mom or dad? How many of you are still making mistakes, sir? But, you know, we got one right now down there at Rama, young man. Do you know that guy, Carly? He's, he's on fire. He'll come here and he'll make you nervous. He'll make preachers nervous. But, you know, he just needs a hand. Steve, have you ever given that guy at the end... A hand? I know you have. Both of you. I watch him hug you. Because he loves the two of you. Look at him now. Look where he's at. Look how he's grown. Both of them. I know more about Zach than Kayla, but she wasn't easy to raise, I'll clue you. Right, Kayla? We're going to have to allow them to make some mistakes. Amen? Look at, look at 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. So that's the first example of a young person. Or the second example, the first was with the feeding of the 5,000. Then the next, next lad we dealt with was Samson. But I want you to see a, a child named Samuel. How many of you know who he is? In 1 Samuel, chapter 1, look at verse 27. And you know, his, his mother, she couldn't have a child. And in verse 27, it says, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore, I'll, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord, are granted to the Lord, so they worship the Lord there. Lent means to give unconditionally, not temporarily. Unconditionally. She gave him to the priest unconditionally to be used of God. Look at uh, chapter 2. Look at verse 18. Chapter 2, verse 18, as Samuel has been lent to the Lord. It says, but Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a what? Child. Can children minister unto God? Well, sure they can. Wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used, him, used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, the Lord gave, give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their own home, and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, this child Samuel grew before the Lord. Then verse, look at uh, verse 26. Verse 26. And the child Samuel grew in stature, and in favor both with the Lord and man. Chapter 3, verse 19. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And I like this. Let none of his words fail or fall to the ground. 
All because of a mother that lent her son unconditionally to God. In this hour, here's the other statement. The church must, and I've used that word must in every statement, because it has to be this way. That in this hour, the church must dedicate and consecrate our children to God for His kingdom purposes. How many parents push their children, go to college, get your four-year degree, end up, end up owing thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, graduate, and don't have a clue what they want to do? Our job to go to. If as parents we would just pray, Kathy and I, when our boys were young, we'd seen what ministers do to their children. Drive them away. Drive them into the world. You've got to give your kids license to make decisions on their own. If you pray and do the best that you can, they will eventually grow and serve the living God. Amen? So it's important, even as as, as babies, and it's the most wonderful, privileged thing as a pastor that I've ever done is be able to hold these little ones in my arm and consecrate them and dedicate them to the kingdom of God. Into the Father's service. We need to do that. And I firmly believe those that have, you know, like the prodigal son that are out there in the world, they're going to come back. They're going to come back. They're going to come back and serve God. And we're going to have to have, just like our, the Father in this parable, our arms need to be open and welcome them back. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. So it's our obligation. Amen? Amen. Let's look at one more. Just one more. Then we'll unhook, and we'll continue next week. I, I just believe this is so important that we understand what part the children and youth play in this end-time revival. First Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel 16. How many of you know, I can't read all this, one of the neatest stories, greatest stories in the Bible about David and Goliath. Look at 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7. How, what was David doing while, you know, Samuel come to anoint? Where was David? Out in the field. What was he taking care of? Sheep. Being faithful. And the Lord said to Samuel, listen to this. Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature. This is God speaking to the prophet. Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees, for a man looks at the outward appearance. But what does the Lord look at? The heart. The heart. Look at... um,
Uh, let me go on and read. It says, So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest. Say youngest. And there he is. Keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. So he sent and brought him in. He was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now as we look to uh, chapter 17... And verse 33, this is where David has answered the call and he's going to take care of Goliath. And, but verse 33, Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him for you are what? You are a boy or a youth and he, and he a man of war. So in the days ahead, we're going to have children. We're going to have youth on fire and excited, and we're going to have to allow them to step out. We think it should be done the way our generation said it should be done. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. We're not in the 80s. We're not in the 90s anymore. And my, I've told you this, my sons keep reminding me, you know, about the progressive commercial. Yeah. And they keep... I'm getting tired of it to be quiet. I'm just going to go live in a van down by the river. Because we older people think we need to sing this song and this way and act this way. And, and I'll go into a restaurant and they'll say, Now, Dad, you don't need to talk to the waiter and ask... I, I'm not afraid of people. I'm not intimidated by people. I'm a shepherd. I'm a pastor. I love people. I can go up to a total stranger and talk to them. God forbid. Yes, but I will leave the ball game before the game's over so I get to my car and get out of there. I will do that. Now, And this is Saul, and, and so we, we go through here. That's Saul's reaction, and, and this is what, you know, Goliath's reaction was. He said, So the Philistine came and began drawing near him to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him or despised him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. The church must not judge our youth, our children in the days ahead by size, by appearance, or by education. But spiritually discern the attitude of their heart. 
And if you're not a man or woman that knows the Holy Ghost and spends time in prayer, you will not discern their heart. And you'll be a snare to them because you'll not know them by the Spirit. And we have to know these young ones by the Spirit. Not maybe because they're small or young or, you know, whatever. I'm going to unhook there. I'm going to close. We don't need that. Thank you. We'll use it next week. You worked so hard getting that typed up for me. I was handed this today by um, Nate. He's, he's the prophetic truck driver. And he says God spoke to him when he was driving to Chicago. If I was going to Chicago, God would speak to me, turn around. <laughs> but he said this. And I believe this is the Holy Ghost speaking to Harvest Church. I've called you Harvest Church because I've anointed you to be a church of harvesters. Get ready, harvesters. I'm bringing the harvest and the field is white. Let the light shine. I like that. Now, I'm going to close by reading this. That's why I, I didn't give you all the message. This is a prophecy given by Hank Kuhneman. How many of you know who Hank Kuhneman is? Let me see your hands. This was given to this church in the year 2006. And I believe it's for this year. See, we hear a prophecy. We, we say, oh, it's got to be tomorrow. It's got to be next week. It's got to, certainly it's got to be this year. Listen to these words. I've got to make sure I start in the right place here. He says, I'm, in fact, I'm cutting. When this prophet goes, if you've ever been around him, he'll, he'll give you five pages of a prophecy. I've got a books full of, of his prophecies over Kathy and I in the church. This is, this is what he said in January 22nd, 2006. And the Spirit of the Lord says there is an anointing that is going forth even towards those that are young. Because God says, I will fill this house with the sound of the young. God says there will be those that will be 40 years and younger that will fill this house. I guess the rest of us are... I guess, Steve, we're, you and I are out of here. No, let me read on. God says there will be those that will be 40 years and younger that will fill this house. And the Lord says, I'm going to begin to gather them, but you must go outside of the walls of this house. And God says, and there will be meetings that will, I will require of you, and I will begin to cause your name to be reality, to be a reality. God says, you call yourself the harvest. I will bring you the harvest. That's interesting. I will bring you the harvest. The Lord says, think it not hard, a hard thing that I'm going to cause there to be. Now, this really registers in my heart, that there will be a 300 Gideon army that I shall raise up in this house. How many want to be part of a Gideon's army? There is... A growth and increase and undergirding, the Lord says, of those that are young. But then the Lord says, watch now, something also will begin to take place. God says, there is two services that you'll eventually have to go. So I'm kind of easing you into it. 
And the Lord says there will be even those that are over 40. Here we go, Mike. Over 40. There will be a wisdom and there will be an anointing and there will be maturity upon those that are of an older age. And God says there will be a Moses generation and they'll come and they'll help build the tabernacle. For the Lord says there will even be something greater upon them than just the release and support of finances. The Spirit of the Lord says there... Now this is so important. There will even be a fathering spirit and a mothering spirit that will, that will even come greater over your leaders. A fathering spirit and a mothering spirit. But God says, it will come greater over this church and over that generation and they will teach and they will instruct and they will train the young. And God says, in this house it will be found that there will be those that have a heart of a father and those who have a heart to be a son. And those that will give birth, God says, to spiritual children. And so you will find, God says, many generations will be found in this place because I'm going to cause this house to be a house of generations. I'm going to begin to break open an apostolic pattern showing spiritual fathers and spiritual sons. God says, I'm going to cause the sound of new birth to begin to grow up in this place as many who do not know me will begin to come. So God says, watch your families. Because it will start there. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you and we bless you. We worship you. We honor you. The Spirit of the Lord says, now this is, this is what he said, that this is a year also for many in the congregation, for you've held back. Now I know it applies to 2006, but I'm saying prophetically it applies today. For you've held back. God said it is not the hour to hold back anymore. The Spirit of the Lord says, I'll tell you to get rid of your excuses and begin to step forth and step in. And if you'll step forth and step in, God says, I will release such a blessing over that which concerns you. If you will add your house to this house this year. God says, now listen, now because here we go, I'm going to remind you of something. Let's see if this sinks in. God says if you'll hook up your heart and your treasure and your talent, God says watch what I'll do this year. Write down one thing that you would desire of me. And the Lord says by the end of the year will I not accomplish that thing? Now how many of you remember? How many remember? Tell me. 2022 is about you. That was from Hank Kuhneman. And I said, write down, remember that? See, I went back just the other day and found this. But God says there is a condition now, and it's for you to get rid of your excuses. God says there's a condition now that it's for you to hook up your heart and your heart and your treasure and your talent to this house. For God says, I'm measuring the hunger of every family. I'm measuring the level of commitment and sacrifice from every household. So the Lord says, step up now and there'll be a special blessing. Step up now, there'll be a special grace that will come over here because the Spirit of the Lord says, now this is, this is, listen to this. I'm looking at three cities. I'm looking at three cities. God says three cities right outside this area that there'll begin to be outreaches. There'll begin to be a city outreaches. But God says, do you not know that I've placed sons in this house? 
Do you not understand I've placed those that are being trained by the father of the house? You know what's, why says the Lord? Because there's an apostolic release. There's an apostolic calling to have other works in three other cities. And the Spirit of the Lord says, I want to start with this one. But the Lord says, you must step up. You must step in. You must increase this house. This place must be built. God says, tell me you, I'll tell, let, God says, let me tell you something about your building program. It won't be difficult. It'll be easy. As you step up and as you commit yourself to that, it'll explode over you and over this house. And he goes on and, and praises God. Then he says this. Are you listening? In fact, stand up because I'm almost done. God says that though, that though watch the enemy, for he will desire to bring many opinions. And the Lord says, do you not understand there's only two opinions that matter? God says, my opinion, my will, my desire, and that which I put into the heart of your leadership. And those two are the ones that really matter. So God says, watch your heart this year. Watch your mouth. Do not speak about that which you do not know. And the Lord says, I... I just look for you to understand the mandate, to discern the mandate, and just begin to move forward. Step up and step in. God says, and I'll bring that increase. But the Lord says, watch the enemy who will desire some to be busybodies and chatter here and there and try to speak about that which they do not know. Watch your opinion, for the Lord says, for in that you will dry up your blessings. In that you will get into a wrong spirit. But God says, just shut your mouth. Doesn't that sound like Pastor Hank? Just shut your mouth. Doesn't that sound like your pastor? Just shut your mouth. Be quiet. Do not worry. And I'll cause everything to begin to work out for the good of my kingdom. 2006. Why does it take so long? Well, maybe some people just didn't shut their mouth. There's a time and there's a season, that's right, Bobby, for everything under the sun. Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe the prophets. Therefore, we shall individually and corporately as a church body prosper in the days ahead. I spoke the word the word that your prophet spoke in the year 2006. And I believe it applied then, but I also believe, Father, it's a word for this hour, for this church. So help us walk in its spirit of grace and fulfill the word of the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for dealing with all of our hearts individually. Help us, Lord, if there's anything out of order in our lives, get into God's order. We want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done in this place. Thank you, Father, for a people, a body of believers that can see the importance 
of children and the youth. And thank you, Father, for the grace to help grow them up and establish them in the days ahead. We'll not judge their appearance, how they talk. We'll not judge them because they don't have a four-year college degree. But we'll look at the intent of their heart. So, Father, we thank you for the privilege to help them. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let me see the hands of everyone here that loves Jesus, is born again, He's your Lord and Savior. Let me see your hands. Good. Amen. Is there anyone here before I dismiss you that you need prayer for your physical body because healing is the children's bread? Yes, ma'am. Cough. Well, we got a couple about ready to pop around here. Just go sit with that one back there, and then yours might come a little sooner. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, t- we take authority and we bind any viruses, coughs, in the name of Jesus. We loose that healing anointing. We say, be strong, be made whole. In Jesus' name. Yes, ma'am. What's, what's her name or his name? Garrett? You mean you have boys that are friends? You better sit down with her. Garrett. Let's pray for Garrett. He was in a, a car accident. Amen. Father, as she stands in the gap for Garrett, her friend, we speak to that back. We speak healing and supernatural recovery. We speak and declare a miracle. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it this day. In Jesus' name, amen. You're a good friend. Amen. Anything else? Vote Tuesday. If you don't know how to vote or who to vote for, you can ask us. We'll tell you. My wife says, don't tell them. Don't tell them. I'm at the point list. You want to know who's good? You want to know who's evil? You want to know who? Remember the good, bad, and the ugly? No? She'll tell you in the back, but not up front. If you go to Patriots United, and you should know. If you want to know, go talk to Stephen Darla too. Amen? We'll see you Wednesday night. God bless you. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. Take them, well, if you want to risk your life, take them out.